You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. And we finally get to talk an actual football game as Florida defeats Ole Miss 51 to 35. And to help me break it all down is Nick De La Torre from Gator Country and Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun. Gentlemen, you ready, you ready to talk some football with, uh, as much as I am? Yeah, no more hypotheticals or uh, talking about viruses or talking about X's and O's and final scores. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, a couple of months ago, I didn't know if we get to this point and I was just happy to be in Oxford and, and able to experience it and, and then you know watch games on TV it, it was a great Saturday it almost felt like a normal Saturday in the fall exactly you know I'm, I'm glad to be here as well and actually have some football to recap it felt really good not having any spring football any off-season workouts any of those little clips that you would get just to kind of break down those so I think we were all a little bit rusty there but Nick you actually had a chance to be at the game what was it like? What was that experience like? Was it different? Did it look like a high school game like some people were saying? Because on TV, I didn't really notice too much of a difference. Yeah, I think um, I think it, and if we're all being honest with ourselves, this is probably this is my eighth football season. It's probably the least prepared that I've felt. Um, and I say that in the sense that you're just going off of what sources are saying or what the coaches are saying in public. And, and even though what we get sometimes in practice is limited, you know, I would have had the opportunity in a normal year to see what Gervin Dexter looked like, um, to see what Lorenzo Lingard looked like, to see where guys were lining up. Um, and, you know, I just didn't have that this year. So for me going in, I'm thinking there's so many unknowns and, and, I, and I felt unprepared um, from a game day aspect, really missed out on the Grove. <laughs> really missed out on the Grove. It was almost eerie being there, um, and it was completely empty. But um, from a game standpoint, it, Ole Miss's press box is closed. Um, and so, like, Dave, you've been in Jacksonville, and Graham, you've been in Jacksonville, and it's kind of weird when you're in a closed press box because it has to get really loud for you to be able to kind of hear it and feel it. Um, so it was kind of just quiet. Um, but uh, there were a good, a good amount of Gator fans there. I thought it was cool. After the game, Florida – um, did their traditional, they walked over and they did the fight song. Um, Dan joked after the game, they didn't do the alma mater because they do better with the alma mater when the, the words are on the Jumbotron. <laughs> um, but it, it, it was interesting because you got, you, you lost out on some of the pageantry of college football, which I think is probably what makes college football so unique, depending on where you are. Everyone has their own traditions, uh, their own things. And I think you lost out a little bit on that because you only had 13,000 people in the stands on Saturday. Um, but it was cool just to see the people that were there and, and to see that the team, you know, just going through and, and, and you know, kind of getting that reward for um, a hard offseason and, and a really long fall camp. Graham, I'm glad you brought that up because, as you said, on TV, I didn't I didn't really miss the crowd aspect of it. Now, after big plays, you would expect, you know, pans of the crowd and, you know, Ole Miss had the funny guy. They showed him after an Ole Miss touchdown when it was a, it was a cutout of himself uh, screaming. So, you know, that, that kind of stuff was funny that we don't ne- normally get to see, but the, the on the field action, I didn't necessarily miss the crowd all too much, but yeah, you do, like Nick said, the pageantry of college football, you expect uh, you know, the, the hotty totty crowd to get, to, to get loud and the, uh, the co-eds there to, to be shown on TV, especially in, in, in SEC country there. But, you know, overall um just it, it, the the tv broadcast still felt like a, a a tv broadcast of a college football game did they pump in crowd noise at all i know baseball and, and i couldn't tell if they that. did i was about yeah. to say that i couldn't tell if they were actually gonna doing that because you know when we talked to dan mullen over and over again in off season and one of his biggest 
concerns was. No, Nick, you or Graham, you, you're dropping in and out. We're, we're losing Graham over at Gator Nationals. That's, that, that we'll the, That's the kind of the stuff that I was really interested in. Yeah, you were just breaking up a little bit. So, uh, Graham is covering the game. Sorry about that. I'm not against Nationals, everyone. I'm not here. It won't be like this every single Sunday, but, you know, return to sports. I'm glad to be out here. It's a little bit loud behind me. If I'm breaking up, just excuse me. I'm sorry about this. Just a little trial run preseason for everybody. The hardest, work, hardest working reporter in Gainesville on the Your show. Your words, not mine. Right. Not true. Not true, <laughs> but I appreciate the, the fake compliment, my man. All right, there we go. Let's get into this game a little bit. But before we do, remember, you can find Gators Breakdown on news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes there, as well as News 4 Jacks coverage of the Gators. If you're watching live on YouTube right now, hit that like button. It really helps us out here on Gators Breakdown. Please share, rate, and review the show, or go to your favorite podcast platform to check out Gators Breakdown. And follow us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook, at Gators Breakdown. And Guys, we might as well uh, let's start with the good first. And that was the offense led by the Kyles. Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts had a field day versus this old Miss defense. We all wondered and, and have so other many people out there, uh, what kind of leap can quarterback Kyle Trask make and this offense make behind him? Trask showed great command of the, of the offense, showed great pocket awareness, pocket presence, great ball placement, throwing the ball down, down the field as well. Uh, we'll hit that pro football focus, Kyle Trask, on throws 20-plus yards down the field. He was 4 of 5, 126 yards, and four touchdowns. SEC StatCat also shared that Trask had an 83.3% adjusted completion percentage in that scenario as well. So, look, that all led to a record-setting day from the Gators quarterback. Kyle Trask finished with a career high for passing yards, 416 passing touchdowns of six. Uh, 42 attempts in addition to uh, tying his career high for completions. He became the sixth Gator in school history to throw six touchdown passes in a game and the first to throw six since Chris Leet did in 2004 against South Carolina. Trask one shot of a single game school record held by Doug Johnson there. His 416 yards and the not highest total in, uh, in a game in school history and the most since Tebow set the school record with 482 in the 2010 Sugar Bowl. Those 416 yards were also the fifth highest total by a Gators quarterback against an SEC opponent in the most since Rex Grossman threw for 464 against LSU in 2001. Nick, I'll start with you. When Kyle Trask took over for Felipe Franks last year, every time we got the media release from Florida and after a game, it was the first time since Tim Tebow, the first time since Rex Grossman, the first time since Chris Leak <laughs> when, when Kyle Trask uh, took over. And you know what? He picked up right where he left off. We get another media release after the game, and it's record-setting and, 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 and tying. And since then, since since those guys, and uh, hopefully it would continue for the Gators, but a, a good start for the quarterback for the Gators. Yeah, I mean, uh, all aboard the Trask train. Um, it, it's just unfortunate that Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts are going to be splitting votes. Um, so they'll probably not going to win the Heisman, either of them, since, you know, they're playing on the same team and they'll split votes. Um, to me, Trask – and uh, let's start with this. Ole Miss was the worst pass defense in the SEC last season. So you weren't playing a great defense. I think DJ Durkin's a great defensive coach um, and probably got the guys as ready as he could. Um, but I think what you really saw from Trask was the accuracy. I always think, I always think the accuracy was there. You saw uh, a lot of poise in the pocket. Um, and, and I don't, I don't know where the narrative has come that he doesn't have the arm strength. I mean, you, you can make any throw. I think that you ask him to make on the field. Um, I think, he, I think he's poised to have a really special season and the teams and the defenses are going to get more difficult than, than Ole Miss was. Um, but I think the biggest thing I saw was that, uh, Florida, we talked all off season about losing all the receivers and it was kind of like Kyle Pitts and then who's going to step up and. I think that, that I think that to me was a big question that was answered. There's so many weapons for him, um, and he's just a, such a smart quarterback. Um, doesn't seem to get rattled rattled at all. And it's hey, if Kyle Pitts is, is covered, that means I've got Trey Grimes in, in single, or I've got Tony in single, and, and he's able to kind of go through his looks, go through his read, and, and just pick apart defenses. And I think that's something that Mullen's offenses make it really easy for a quarterback in terms of making those kind of decisions. And, and you can see that Kyle Trask is kind of making them 
as fast as uh, as fast as he ever has. And Graham, before you jump in here, I mean, just a just a couple of uh, more that the Florida sent out. Trask has thrown three touchdowns against conference opponents for four times in his career since the start of 2003. The only Gators quarterback to throw three plus touchdowns against SEC opponents are Tim Tebow and Chris Leak. Trask had five career 300 yard passing games, or has five 300 yards passing games, tied with Tebow for the seventh most 300 yard outings in school history. Just keeps putting himself in those record books. Yeah, he does. And I think that a lot of the point of contention that you saw from Florida fans last year when Kyle Trask was either lighting it up or having career days after career days was not only the lack of recognition, but it wasn't really put in the perspective of those records that you mentioned. I think that many people either underestimated or didn't realize the full extent of what he was doing in the scheme of Florida's passing yards. But when you actually sit back there and look at it and, and see the passing performance and I hate to remind people, but I guess the passing futility really since the 2009 season and makes it more impressive. And I think as media members, you guys can vouch for this as well. This is one of those things where context absolutely matters. The seven-year backup story, the Derek King angle. I mean, those are storylines that, that make Kyle Trask's uh, rise not only impressive, but his performances, I think, that puts them even more into context Nick, I got to say, though, I was a little bit disappointed that you didn't say that the two Kyles would take Heisman votes away from from Evan McPherson. You know, that quote after the game from Ben Mullen about how Evan gives you different angles of what you can do on offense. I I think that we weren't really talking about that too much because you're going to see times where Florida is comfortable running the ball in in third yard situations, having that, much to the dismay of some fans, having that viability on offense because they have a guy who feels confident to go out there and kick it, uh, you know, for 60 yards. It it breaks my mind, memory of when Ole Miss went forward on fourth and three and and didn't take the points and Florida scores a touchdown four plays later. That's a 14-point swing very early in the game that may actually come down to how much coach trusts their field goal kicker if you really think about it. We'll see, though, because Dan Mullen trusts Dan Mullen and his his offense more than he trusts anybody. So I know we got Evan. I was almost surprised when he when he tried to – I almost was surprised when he tried Evan out for for the 55-yarder. I was like, oh, he'll probably go for this. Like, it's – it was like a third and short or a third and medium. I was like, oh, they'll probably go for this. And he tried him out there. I thought, I thought yeah, Evan can make this. But I, I always expect Dan to go for it on fourth down, which was – which was the bane of my existence last year because it meant less less punts for Tommy Townsend. It did, but it, when, how often are you going to see a running back last year in a short-yarded situation? That just wasn't what they were equipped to do. I think if mm-hmm. you can absolutely sit back and say, how has the run game possibly improved after just one game from last season? I, I think you can say the trust and the willing to use uh, guys like Damian Pierce and Malik Davis. I mean, how good did he look yesterday? Using them mm-hmm. in short-yarded situations where Florida typically would have ran something out of the shotgun or, or they would have settled with uh, a play that I think a lot of Florida fans wouldn't have been too happy uh, with if we really think about it. Yeah, mentioning of the of the run game there for Graham, but it was more of what we saw last year for, from this offense in the, in the first game of the season here. And, and, and you know, hey, look, you, you, you see an advantage and you, and you take advantage and you keep doing it. So no surprise with those numbers that it was the other Kyle. Kyle tight end Kyle Pitts leading the way uh, in the passing game for, for Kyle Trask and the, and, and the receivers uh, from him. So Ole Miss could not cover him. You know, and it has to feel good to know that no matter what Ole Miss did, that Kyle Pitts could not be stopped. He, he showed finesse when he needed to. He showed power when he needed to. He showed exactly why he's a mismatch uh, out there. Eight receptions, 170 yards, four touchdowns, um, you know, and, and one of the best performances by a Gators pass catcher, receiver, or tied in in school history there. Here, you know, tied a school record with four touchdown receptions uh, for, from that position. Became the third FBS tight end since the start of 96 with 150-plus receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns in a game. His 170 receiving yards are the highest single-game total by a Gator since Demarcus Robinson. 216 yards against Kentucky in 2014. Pitts is the only Gators tight end since at least 1996 to have three receiving touchdowns in a game. He now has career ten career touchdown receptions, surpassing Aaron Walker. Look, guys, I, I'm a fan of of coaches and players knowing they have a mismatch, and you keep pounding that mismatch. You you have an advantage, 
You know the defense can't stop it. You keep going to it over and over and over again. And look, you know defenses have studied this Florida offense all offseason. And if there's one guy they've identified in stopping, it's Kyle Pitts. First game of the season, and I know, Nick, you brought it up with this, this Ole Miss defense. We brought, we brought it up all in the last week, how this passing defense was the worst in the SEC last year. You still have to think they identified Kyle Pitts to be the, the guy they had to stop on this Florida offense, and they just could not do it. I don't know if the San Francisco 49ers, I mean, every <laughs> team is going to identify Kyle Pitts as a guy they need to stop. But the problem is, is he's six foot four, two 250 pounds, and, and he runs like a gazelle. So how how you know unless you've got some kind of you know alien on defense that that can match up with that size and that speed, you're you're gonna have to start doubling him or you're gonna have to start bracketing safeties and that's something that that happened last year because um, Kyle started off really really hot, especially when Kyle Trask came in and there was that quick Kyle to Kyle connection, um, but then they defenses started to bring a safety over and, and they were bracketing him and and he we've he's talked to. The, to us about that, about that was frustrating him. And I think he spent a lot of time figuring out ways to um, kind of combat that and, and how he can, you know, still exist in the offense if the team is taking him away. And I think a lot of that comes from maturity. And the best thing he might do in a week is maybe only catch four passes, but it opened up the rest of the passing game because now you you have openings in zone because they're worried about him or you have a man to man for other guys and it opens things up for, uh, for his teammates. But yeah, I mean like the 49ers maybe can cover him, but there's not a team, um, in, in college football. I think that, you know, can identify one player and go, Oh yeah, we're fine. We'll just have him follow Kyle Pitts around and we'll be good today. Graham, your thoughts on Pitts and his big game? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I, I think I'd voiced some worries before the season just about how Florida's receiving more would, would look without those four leaders last year. Josh Hammond, Tyree Cleveland, Freddie Swain. We're seeing what their impact is on NFL Sundays. So I, I think that there were certainly some justified issues when it came to how Florida's pass game would look without those guys. But Kyle Pitts, I think, alleviated all those concerns that if they were to rely on him as much as they were able to rely on Freddie Swain and Josh Hammond last season, and then when he's doubled or, or, or taken out of the passing game, you saw what Jacob Copeland and, and Trayvon Grimes can do. Um, I, I think that Florida – oh, wait, i got to mention you know Trent Whittemore as well. And I even liked what I saw out of uh, Keon Zipper and, and Kamori Gamble. You know, I think too often we talk about one tight end and Kyle Pitts, and, and that's absolutely deserved in the sense, but – Tim Brewster was very adamant that they're going to find ways to get Keon Zipper involved. And you saw him there uh, with some some plays using him as the H-back, which, which we shouldn't have been really surprised about considering where he was ranked coming out of Lakeland as the, the number one rated H-back in that class. Uh, the other one, Kamal Gamble, you know, not to take a shot at him in any sense, but I think a lot of people have been really waiting to see what he would do as one of those Miami guys like, like Sean Davis coming out of that program, really been in the program for four-plus years now, have been waiting for him to kind of take a leap. I, I think he made a really heads-up play there um, in that game. Uh, he recovered the fumble, I believe, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, um, early on in the game. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. I, I thought I thought you were talking about he made a heads up play Saturday. I said maybe maybe too much heads and that and that got him out of the game. <laughs> yeah, I know that. About we're losing Graham. Yeah. <laughs> too much exhaust fumes for Graham. <laughs> we'll have to uh, we'll have to get we we'll have to get Graham back in there. He's kind of still going to break up. Hopefully, uh, he won't come here and. Uh, just blast us all the way again. But, uh, yeah, speaking uh, of this offense, Nate, we'll continue here as we just look kind of over, overall numbers for the offense and kind of maybe getting more specifics after that. 642 total yards marked mark the 11th highest total in school history. Uh, set a school record for total yards against an SEC opponent. Uh, Florida's previous single-game record for total yards against an SEC opponent was 640. So they beat that by two yards uh, against Mississippi State in uh, 2001 there. So, for the second time under Dan Mullen, Florida threw, Florida threw for 400-plus yards in a game. Uh, prior to that, the last two 400-yard passing games were against Cincinnati, of course. We brought that up already in 2010 and against UCF in 2006. The previous two 400-yard outings against SEC opponents were November 3rd, 2001 against Vanderbilt and 2001 again uh, against Georgia. So, this is kind of the transition from Jim McElwain to Dan Mullen here in these next, next couple of stats here. 
Florida has 400 plus total yards in 13 of its last 18 games and 500 plus yards in three of the last five. I mean, we, 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 we've seen Dan Mullen already completely turn this offense around average 6.8 yards of carry did the, uh, you know, that was kind of led by Kadarius, Kadarius Tony's big run that, mm-hmm. that helped in that average there, but the running backs also, you know, pretty good. 196 yards on 29 attempts. Uh, last season, Florida only averaged better than 5.3 yards a carry against UT Martin with 6.1 and Virginia in the Orange Bowl at 7.2. So, Nick, and kind of just looking at that last point there, you know, and this this pass game has pretty much helped set, set, set this run game up to a point in a way. But the, the, the run game showed, showed some spurts. I, I think it was overall better than what we saw a lot of the time last year. I was a little more surprised no – not uh, not as many straight runs behind Stuart Reese as I expected yeah. to see when they, when they really kind of maybe wanted to get it going. They had a really good run early, and then they kind of struggled a little bit. I thought uh, there was not as many runs behind Reese as I, I expected to see there. And then, uh, but you know, for, for all intents and purposes, they held up well in pass blocking. Uh, Trask helped them there a bit by moving around in the pocket a, a bit as well. But to me. The first time we saw it against a new look Ole Miss front, I think I thought I thought the offensive line showed some progress. Yeah, I think I think again in pass pro, I think they were good. Uh, and, and credit to Kyle Trask, I think he, his his poise and, and pocket presence was good. Um, also, though, I think uh, it, you know it, when you're at a game, uh, depending on where your seat is, it's hard to see a TV and it's hard to see some replays. And I remember texting people, I'm like, are they not running behind Stuart Reese at all? Because I figured. Um, you know, with, with Heggie and Reese there that they might try to, you know, try to run by, you know, run behind the grad, the grad transfer. Um, and, and I didn't think that was the case. I thought I'm going to hold off on, on making a judgment on the offensive line. I, don't, I think they played better probably than they played uh, a lot of last season, but I'll hold off until, you know, you, you start getting uh, against some better defenses. What I really took away was Malik Davis for me, um, you know, I, I've said before, you know, sometimes Dan Mullen, I, I, I think fans even know Dan Mullen likes trolling us in, in the media and, and he has fun um, saying things. But when he said Malik Davis looks like the guy that I saw on tape when I first got here and it's the first time I've seen that since I've been here. And I was like, OK, well, I'll wait to see it because we were told that Malik Davis was 100 percent last year and, and then, you know, didn't see him at all. I think Malik Davis looks like freshman Malik Davis, like like the the kid that got 20 carries at Kentucky uh, and helped Florida beat Kentucky that year. Uh, to me, that's going to be a huge development because he can fill that LaMichael Pirine role as the pass catcher. Um, and then I was really encouraged from the little reps that Naquan Wright got. He had that one catch where it wasn't necessarily a bad pass, but he had to catch it over his helmet, mm-hmm. catches it over his head, and then it was just like – pick and pop, making guys miss down the field. And he's a guy, especially when you have Pierce coming back and you have Malik Davis and he's now healthy. And then you get the big five-star Lambo Lingard coming in and everyone wants to talk about him. I think Naquan Wright got forgotten about a little bit. And I think he's going to be a special player. He might kind of just have to wait your turn, but I think the running game um, can continue to get better. And I think when, once Ethan White gets back and I think it'll be a couple more weeks before he gets back, and then you can kind of switch things around a little bit. And I really like if you have Heggie at guard, White at center, and Reese, uh, Reese at right guard. Um, I, I think that's a really strong line that you can start running, you know, between the tackles and running up the middle. Um, probably with all three of those guys. I mean, Malik Davis didn't look scared to run between the tackles on Saturday either. Mm. Um, and, and you kind of, I think, at least maybe, maybe it's just me, but I kind of think of him more of a scat back and, he, he took that thought right out of my mind, uh, you know, on Saturday with the way he was running behind his pads. Another person, a uh, player out there who surprised me running running behind his pads a bit was Kadarius Tony. When he had the ball, he he got physical a bit. And there were two things maybe surprised us a bit with Kadarius Tony, and it was one of the biggest questions. Is and, and Mullen brought it up, but in the preseason, is he's working on becoming a, a better receiver. And look. I know it was kind of limited, but in the limited touches that Kadarius Tony got, he played more physical and he showed he can get open on, on some routes. And the one little kind of fake plant he made to, to get against an old Miss DB to get open, I mean that was that was ugly. That, I mean that's uh, that's what you see on kind of flag football type uh, seven on seven where you can't really touch. And that was the type of move to, to get open there. And Kadarius Tony really really showed. Uh, I think 
something to look forward to in, in a good starting point in the, hey, maybe he has taken the steps to be more mm-hmm. of a complete wide receiver. Now, you know, the straight line speed has never been a, um, a strong suit of his, but, he, you know, he find, he's shifty. He finds a way to get open, finds a way to make people miss, and, and, and there we go. I mean, he, he, he did well in, in that regard. So uh, if there was one player – you know, besides, I think we point to the, the, the two Kyles. I just think uh, looking at Kadarius Tony and what he was able to do, uh, I think kind of really opened some eyes and something that we can look forward to as, as Florida puts these games together. I, I think the, the shortest way to say it is that's the best Kadarius Tony has looked in four years in orange and blue. Um, and, and I agree with everything you said in terms of offensively. I might have been most impressed, and maybe this is dumb, but for me, I was most impressed when. I remember when Freddie Swain was named punt return, kick return. We thought, what the heck? Like, that's not exciting. Like, he's not fast. He can't do this. And then, like, one game in, you're like, all right, well, I don't know anything about football. They picked the right guy. Freddie Swain's fantastic. And then when I saw Kadarius Tony there this year, I'm like, oh, my God. We're going to be running 120 yards east and west for an eight-yard return. Kadarius Tony not only fair caught every punt and pulled it down with guys in his face, there was a kickoff. And I know that Kadarius Tony is thinking, hey, touches might be hard to come by, but if the ball's kicked to me on a kickoff, this is my chance. No one's no one can stop me. He fair caught a kickoff when he probably should have when he probably should have fair caught it because he had a lot of hang time. And I'm like, who is this kid who has completely matured in, in Kadarius Tony? That's like, hey, this is probably the best play for the team, even though I would like to go and try to break twelve people's ankles on the way to you know a, a kick six. Um, so to me, that was really cool uh, to see that kind of maturation. But I agree with everything you said. Playing behind his pads, I did not see. And listen, he's going to juke. He's going to spin. Mm-hmm. He's going to do stuff like that. But I didn't see like the high school play where when you're the best guy in the field in high school, all right, well, I'll run backwards 15 yards because I'm faster than everyone and I can turn and, and I'll gain that back. And the SEC, you can't get away with that stuff. That's stuff that he would do you know, all the time the last three years. And, I, and you didn't see that. And um, yeah, so to put it – Long story short, and then uh, it's, I get long-winded. That's the best Kadarius Tony has looked in Gainesville playing for the Gators. I agree. I completely agree there. And look, that was his first touchdown since the opening touchdown against Miami last year. So, you know, almost a year for Kadarius Tony and getting a, a touchdown there. So now, Nick, probably have to go and uh, not probably. I mean, we're going to, but the the. Um, Probably the side of the ball where the most angst from the fan base comes from, of course. And we got to talk about it, uh, the defense here. And, man, uh, tough to know where to start there. Uh, I mean, it, you know, first of all, I guess we could we should start missing some key pieces, of course. Uh, so some pieces there, not on the field, but didn't have their best day. Blame can go all around from, from the staff to the players. But Jeremiah Moon, Campbell, Stewart out before the game. Sean Davis ejected for targeting early in the game. Uh, Florida essentially down four starters there. Not a lot of physicality in camp. We're going against you know all the surprises of a Lane Kiffin offense and, and, and his you know, what his offense brings to the table wasn't pretty. Uh, Nick Ole Miss gained 613 total yards. That was a fourth most gain against an SEC opponent for them in school history. Wide receiver Elijah Moore. Look, there was if there was one player Florida couldn't let go crazy, it was him. And much kind of like Kyle Pitts, you know, you had to identify him. The Florida defense. I'm sure identified him, couldn't stop him. 10 catches, 227 yards, the second most ever in a single game in Ole Miss history. The 227 yards for him are the most against an SEC opponent in school history for Elijah Moore in Ole Miss. So it was the, it was the, here, here's another uh, uh, thing, Nick, that I found here from, from Ole Miss' site. It was the most receiving yards by an individual player against Florida since 2014 when Amari Cooper tallied 201 receiving yards. The offensive coordinator for the Alabama team was one Lane Kiffin. So he's able to identify his playmaker. He's able to identify the wide receiver, if he's got it, that can go down the field and make some plays and, and get open no matter what. And he was identified. He was identified by uh, – and look, this kind of goes to one of my next points, Will. Uh, 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 Nick, sorry, I got Will on the show. Oh, man. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Ole Miss needed to credit me for that because I was going back to try to find oh, – yeah. Okay. In the press box, I was going back and trying to find the last time Florida had given up that many total yards and passing yards. And um, I was at that Alabama game; it was my second season, and I knew that one was a bad game. Um, so I had to, you know, I had to go through to make sure that was the last one. And uh, when I saw it, I was like, "Hey, 
your guys, uh, your guy, you can put your guy's name next to Amari Cooper's, and that might be a, a name you want to put, you know, uh, in, in your game notes. And uh, so I think I get the hat tip for that. I don't know if that <laughs> is going to win me any more fans on this show, but I think I get the hat tip for uh, for Ole Miss's SID there. There we go. So Nick, that goes to one of my points about this defense and what. It, it, it's where were Kyrie Elam and, and Marco Wilson so much on him? You know, is it Grantham's scheme to where you know he's just going to line those guys up on each side of the field and just let them mm-hmm. play there? And you know, we, we did expect Marco Wilson to look. Um, more was inside the slot on a lot, but they did move him around. Uh, they moved him around to get open, whether it be in the slot, whether it be close closer to the offensive line, whether it be spread out wide. They found ways to get him open. You know, but where was the okay Marco or or Kyrie? You stick to this guy and you don't let him get open. There was so much communication miscommunication there. Kyrie Elam got turned around on some big plays there, but when you have a receiver like that, then look, I know it's Lane Kiffin. I know it's Lane Kiffin's offense, and this is what he does. But uh, Ole Miss didn't necessarily show the the, the, the propensity to be able to, to throw the ball like this. Uh, so, you know, Matt Corral took some steps, of course, but you know, my thing is, where, where were your stars in the defensive backfield to, to make sure and maybe match up man-on-man that this type of, you know, this type of performance didn't happen? Yeah, I mean, maybe you should have – maybe uh, – and if I was Marco Wilson, I probably would have said to Todd, like, hey, this is the guy we need to take out. I'm the guy to take him out. Yeah. Let me just shadow him wherever he goes. doesn't matter if I'm playing star, if I'm playing outside. If you know, if they put him at running back for, for some kind of weird play, he goes, I'll line up uh, you know, at linebacker. I'm just going to follow him around the field. Uh, but like you said, I think it's just a scheme thing with Todd Grantham, and it's, hey – this is how we're going to line up. And, you know, if their best receiver, you know, if Julio Jones is playing for Ole Miss and he goes to the boundary side, that's who's covering him. If he goes to the field side, the other guy's covering him because that's the side of the field that they play on. Um, and if he lines up in the slot, then then our nickel's covering him. And hopefully, you know, it's not Amari Bernie or, or Ventro <laughs> Miller, you know, covering the slot when Elijah Moore is there. Um, but, yeah, I think that's just the scheme. And they don't really shadow guys in – that's what Lane Kiffin does. Lane Kiffin will see what Florida – and not to make an excuse for Florida, but Lane Kiffin and his offensive staff had – they've got a decade of Dan Mullen film um, going all the way back to – I mean, even more than that. You can go back to when Dan was the offensive coordinator at Florida, um, and they're running some of the same, same concepts and same, same things. So it's uh, – Lane knew, hey, this is what they're going to look like – or sorry, um, going back to Todd Grantham, looking at Todd Grantham stuff. Um, yep. But – Lane knows, okay, this, if we get this look, I can even shift somebody or I can do this. He's getting his guys, he's getting Elijah Moore into a position where he can go and make plays. And it was up to Florida to adjust to that, and, and I just don't think they did. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, Kiffin comes in, improves the passing game right away. Matt Corral, maybe the biggest surprise. I mean, making you know, plays with his arms and his legs. So many big plays given up. And, look, I, I expected Ole Miss, I, I said on the podcast plenty of times, I expected them to have some success early and then the defense to settle in. Uh, we never really got that settle in uh, from the defense. So, you know, I, my thing is, you know, it was the star power missing on defense. Where were the big names? You know, Marco, uh, Kyrie Elam shutting the wide receivers down. Uh, why so much miscommunication on the back end? You can really kind of hopefully – that kind of comes to, you know, missing some players back there. Uh, but it's kind of just a continuation of some of the, the, the issues and problems we saw last year. So I think that's where some of the worry comes in uh, for, for, for this defense. You know, we expect the tackling to be some of an issue, and it was. But, you know, even if um, – but, but if that was the only issue, Nick, uh, just the tackling, Florida would have been completely fine. Uh, mm-hmm. But it was, you know, the, 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 you don't want to overreact here, but – Plenty of issues to fix, but it's just a huge, big chunk plays that were just a big difference in this game for Ole Miss and being able to to, to hang around in this game. And yeah. look, we, we we all look at Todd Grantham and his third down defense. And uh, I did a little bit of research here for what happened on third down uh, in this game here. And we usually look at you know Grantham's third down defensive problems coming in the pass defense. When when everybody thinks of third and Grantham, it's always a pass play. It's not necessarily a team running the ball, but Ole Miss went 9 of 14 on third down. Eight of those were converted on the ground. I mean, that that's you were a, bit, a bit of a surprise there. And if four of those were Matt Corral runs, and they was consisted of third and 11, third and 9, third and 5, and third and 19. So you know, your, your third and Grantham kind of shifted from giving up big pass plays to, to big – runs from 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 an athletic quarterback so the chunk plays weren't necessarily gathered up on third down Ole Miss had eight chunk pass plays 
of 28 yards, 46, 45, 57, 51, 33, 32, 31 yards. Five of those were on first down. It wasn't third and long that was killing Grantham necessarily in the passing game. It was on first down. Yeah, I think I think a lot of the frustration. I mean, he play. It's 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 a fun defense to watch because he can get aggressive. Um, and listen, if you're going to get aggressive, you're going you might give up some of those plays. Um, obviously, tackling. I think tackling was always going to be an issue, but that wasn't mm-hmm. like you said wasn't the main issue. Um, for me, going into the season, um, even when I thought that Kyrie Campbell was was going to be playing, I still had questions right up the middle, and that was you know defense tackle, nose tackle. Ventro Miller, never questioned Ventro Miller in, in run defense, um, but questioned him in the pass, uh, in, in pass defense, and then right up right up the middle again to, to safety. And I think those were some areas where Florida was exposed. There were a lot of plays just right up the middle. Um, safety's getting beat. Uh, linebacker's getting beat in coverage. Um, and, and and I think at star, I think you're missing Brad Stewart. And that's a, that's a position he worked out at. And I thought that if Brad Stewart was going to be available, uh, despite Mullen telling us that he was available uh, on Tuesday or Thursday, whenever it was, Monday or, Monday or Thursday, uh, not available. I think Brad is a guy that you can play in the star, and then his physicality in the box. I think Elijah Moore's numbers would have looked different if, if Brad Stewart were playing star. But then again, uh, when, when will he be back on the field? Um, I, I don't know if it will even be this Saturday. Um, so that that's a big question mark for me. Um, I think Florida's defense is better than what they showed. And, I mean, that might not be saying a lot because, okay, you're better than giving up 600 yards. Nice. <laughs> you give up yeah. 500 next week right. and you're better. It's not, it's, not, it's not a good game to give up 500 yards. I think Will Muschamp – I think Will Muschamp's offense might be the exact – exactly what the doctor ordered for Florida's defense after giving up 600 yards uh, to Ole Miss. Yeah, I think so too. That's uh, that's, he that's kicked a field goal down <laughs> seven with three minutes left. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, I know they. Goodness. I know we expected one more offensive drive, and we'll get into uh, more SEC games. But uh, yeah, I didn't. Ouch. Uh, you know that. Hey, we 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 saw that for too too too, too many times anyway. We, <laughs> very we, familiar we, with it. We, we were very familiar <laughs> with questioning. Familiar with that call. Yes, <laughs> we're very familiar with questioning Will Muschamp in those situations. So. Yeah, Nick, I, I kind of agree with Jim. We'll get into some of the tweets here uh, for, from, uh, from from the fan base, but I, I kind of do agree. I I don't think it, the defense isn't this bad. And look, mm-hmm. I, I think on the bright side, they, they probably aren't going to be as good as I thought either. I, I, I still – I don't want to overreact in that way either after one game. Um, I, I still I, I still got to see more before I'm really even willing to say they may, they may not be as good as I thought they'd be because I really think – I really – before the season, I thought this defense was going to be – pretty good. And I thought this defense matched up well against Ole Miss as well because of uh, a lot of the speed that you see mm-hmm. on this Florida defense. But you had players like Amari Bernie, who is, who's known for his speed out there, just out of position and, and not necessarily yeah. playing all that physical. Uh, Ventro Miller had himself a game, led the team in tackles. Um, more good yeah, than yeah, bad. Yeah, like Brandon Spikes-esque tackle too. Yeah. Right yeah, up and, the middle. And I think he even got Brandon Spikes tweeting about him. Yeah. <laughs> wearing, wearing the 51 as well and, mm-hmm. and, and, hit, and hitting like that. And look, I, I thought uh, – I thought he played more – I thought he played better um, – Good than bad. Uh, when, yeah. when the day was, when when the day was all done, Cox uh, made some appearances as well. As the game went on, I could tell there was a, a, a looking at Cox, maybe a little a little bit of a lackadaisical, maybe even tired uh, out there playing his first game in in, in quite some time. Uh, of course, as Georgia's bowl game uh, the year before last was his last appearance in playing in a college football game. So, uh, I think the defense did get worn out uh, as the game wore, wore on as well, and. Uh, looks like we have Graham back, so we can get his thoughts in here as well. Uh, Graham, I'll bring you back in and, and looking at this Florida defense. Uh, what, what were your initial thoughts here? We, we've kind of broken down some some big some big uh, you know the players, and my big thing is uh, and he's frozen, but we'll see if he can see. We'll see if the audio is good. <laughs> um, uh, we'll see. It was a star power for me that didn't necessarily show up for the Gator defense. Yeah, guys, I don't know if you can hear me, but I'm. Nope. Okay. <laughs> that, was, that, was <laughs> well, uh, a, that was a quick note from Dave. Yeah. Well, okay. We'll, we'll get Graham back in uh, next week, of course, when uh, no Gator Nationals and all that kind of stuff. We we, we tried it, uh, but we know we know how that how that can be. But uh, Nick, uh, yeah. Before we move on to tweets, man, any, any other thoughts uh, on the Gator defense here? Um, no, I wanted 
switch. I, we, I, I don't want to catch you off guard here, but maybe I yeah. do want to catch you off guard. What um, we've talked. I mean, Kyle Trask. I mean, we're sitting here and not even jokingly talking about Heisman um, with mm. the way he looked and, and making a Heisman run. Where does where how does Emory Jones fit into the offense now? Um, and I, I don't have an answer to it, so it's kind of just like opening it up for a dialogue. I, I don't know what Emory Jones' role is. And I'm not saying that like he doesn't deserve to play because he threw a bad interception. Um, it's just if you've got a guy and we talk about it with like running backs all the time, um, you know, play the guy with the hot hand. If you've got a guy like Kyle Trask that's going to – if he's putting up numbers like he did and looking like he did against Ole Miss week in and week out, why are you taking him out of the game? And, and that's just my question then is, is is what what does Emory Jones' role uh, become on this team? I agree. You know that was the and that was the uh, that was the question I asked Dan after the game was was the Emory Jones interception and look uh, no, I agree I, I do want to see more of Emory Jones but as soon as I saw him out there I'm like no not not here I mean Trask is <laughs> Trask is dealing Trask is on fire and just just keep it going and I look I know it's in the game plan I know they draw this stuff up before the game's even going out there but we've seen Dan Mullen's ability to be able to adapt to in game situations and. To me, that's just one there where you just you gotta keep rolling. And uh, look, I'm, I'm not gonna put the full interception on Emory. He was pressured. He got outside, but at that point, you just kind of have to know not to throw that ball and not throw that type of pass late. Take the sack or throw it into the right. third row. Yeah, it's first down. You can you can you can afford to take a sack. You can't you can't throw a floater that late. Uh, it, with, with it, you know, and with pressure in your face there. So, it, to me, it did show some trust though for for Mullen to to throw him back out there the very next drive. I know he didn't throw the ball that drive uh, before Trask come in a, a few plays later. They just let Emory out there get get warmed up. Um, uh, running the ball and he, he threw a nice pass uh, later on in the game there. But completely agree. I. I to me, for Mullen's reputation to be able to adapt uh, to in-game situations, I was completely caught off guard and surprised to see Emory Jones in there at that time when, I mean, Travis basically picked up where he left off last year. And look, I, I was completely surprised. I know Mississippi State came out and did it as well, but for that offense to be in sync as it was, Kyle Trask, his receivers, Kyle Pitts, they were on time, the, the routes were crisp, Kyle knew where to go with the ball. Limited penalties. I think the offense only had three penalties on the day. I mean, it was a clean game. They were in sync, and you know, for for year, you know, for the last couple of years, and I know the quarterback situation was a lot different. You you were starting the season with Felipe Franks, but you come out looking kind of clunky. I mean, this offense was on fire from game one, and uh, yeah, I, I I I didn't necessarily agree with the whole with with bringing Emory there at that point. Yeah, it, it reminded me almost. There were times last year where I thought. It was just scripted, and it, it there was it, there was no feel into who was playing at what times, and it was kind of like, all right, well, we our game plan was that Kyle would get three drives and Emory would get two, and then like maybe the first drive was good, second drive was bad, first, third drive was good, and then you're like, okay, Kyle just had a good drive, let him down the field, and then Floor gets back on offense and Emory's in. You're like, wait, wait, no, he was just he was just picking it up, he was just you know he was just starting to feel it. Um, so I think I guess that's my the thing to me. It kind of felt like last year where there would be times where a quarterback would come in. You're like, why? Because, like you just said, like the, the offense was on time. They were, they were, they had things moving well, with the machine. And then you just like say, okay, we're gonna try something different. Yep. To me, it just didn't have, it didn't, it didn't seem like it was because of a feel that Dan had in the game. It felt like, all right, well, Kyle's had three drives. It's time to get Emory in. Absolutely, absolutely. And I will. I'm going to apologize to Graham as well. I should have had this set up better. So we're we're figuring this thing out on the fly a little bit. I was trying to use the phone call with him earlier, but we haven't could... had a pad. We haven't hit since the Orange Bowl, right. so we need a week off, and uh, we'll figure it out for week two. Absolutely. Like I said, Graham will be at home too after this. So like this you said, first in waters. That's that's the new thing. This first, is first, in, <laughs> first in waters. Second in waters is much better. Absolutely, yeah. We'll we'll definitely get it figured out. Much like uh, on the Gator panelist, of course. You know, Graham's at home. We have no issues at all. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll we'll get it all figured out. This is uh, some some early season jitters uh, for, on my part uh, as well. So I thought he'd be able to to hear Nick uh, through a phone call, but that did not work. So we'll get it all figured out uh, uh, next week. So my apologies there to to you guys and Graham out there uh, for for him not being on uh, the the rest of this episode here. So uh, Nick, usually for every game review. Uh, that I do, I, I ask the uh, fan base out there uh, some of their some of their thoughts uh, on the game, get their reaction too. So Tony Aguilini starts off, starts us off here. He says defense should get better with all hands on deck. This does not have to be an all time elite defense to have a big year. 
just getting away more often than not. Guys were getting used to game speed again all around the SEC. And look, we've seen, you know, that point kind of brought up a bit. And you go back and look at LSU last year and their early season troubles on defense. And look, when you have an offense that's put points up on the board, your defense is going to be <laughs> out there a lot. Mm-hmm. And at points, maybe giving up you know, a, a ton of points at, all at the same time. So you, you, you kind of hope the adjustment there. Uh, and look, uh, kind of going back to my point, I don't know if the defense will be as good as I thought they would be coming into this year. And you know what? If they're not, they may not have to be. If this offense can continue to hum along the way as, as the season progresses, if the defense can be – look, yesterday was flat out awful, bad. But if they can improve as the season goes on and be an average defense, if this Florida offense keeps humming along the season, it, 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 as Tony says, it, may, it, 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 it probably will be enough. Well, here's – I know Tony's a baseball guy, um, and I know he's watching too – Given the way the offseason is, if you look at baseball, pitchers are always ahead and, and more ready than than the hitters are. Uh, you know, pitchers kind of just get ready quicker in, in spring training, and then the bats, you know, catch up to speed. Maybe because defense and you're not tackling, maybe it's just going to take the defense defenses, not just Florida, but all the defenses, yeah. uh, a couple weeks just to get back up to game speed and get used to tackling again. Um, and and I, I, I don't want to make excuses. I know I. I'm hitting on the other side. I said, well, I said, well, Ole Miss's defense was terrible last year. Ole Miss is going to score points. Ole Miss is going to put up 500 yards and score 30 points on a lot of teams this year. Um, They're going to be one of the better offenses with the guys they have. Um, They're going to figure out ways to use Plumlee more. I mean, that first drive, my head was spinning. They they were just on it, on the ball. As soon as as soon as the the referee put it down, like, hey, we're ready to snap, and and that kid Plumlee can he can run. And and the Gator defense pretty much the whole first half, that defensive line was moving around. They could not get set uh, time mm-hmm. after time after time again. Now, that definitely had an effect because that Gator defense to me was out there guessing a whole lot. Yeah. They weren't they weren't necessarily you know pinning their ears back and getting in the backfield because they were ready to go. They were guessing a whole lot out there. Yeah, credit to Lane Kiffin. I, I just think that Florida will face, you know, like I said, well, Will Muschamp offense will be the just what the doctor ordered next week after having to face Lane Kiffin. Um, I think we'll see as the season goes on, you know, like maybe like last year when you watch the Kentucky game and then you're like, hey, I think maybe the Kentucky was just good. And then by the end of the year, you think, OK, well, yeah, no, Kentucky was just good. Um, I think by the end of the year, we'll look back at this first game and say, yeah, no, that was just a really good Lane Kiffin Ole Miss offense that, that Florida played. Should they give up 600 yards? No, there's no excuse, uh, you know, for giving up, you know, 600 yards. But I think, you know, Ole Miss will do that. That to a couple teams it's not that won't be their best uh, offensive performance of the year i agree i agree so here we go uh tyrone shield says offense put up numbers hope they commit to the run more Kadarius tony impressed me at wide receiver defense effort sucked coaches and players <laughs> uh he goes look unfocused and confused uh and the kind of yeah just going basically to our previous point right there uh, unfocused confused he goes after rewatching there were no bright spots on defense at all Kicker is money. Think Davis would be a better kick returner than Kadarius Tony. Nick, you kind of uh, you know spoke to Tony as a kick returner and liking mm-hmm. what you saw from there. I'm assuming he means Malik Davis right here. But uh, for my for my point on that one, with all the injury history for Malik Davis, I, this is keeping him at running back <laughs> for now. Kick, kick returns where you get hurt. That's where yeah. you, you've got a 20 yard you know head start to run. And the, the punt returns you don't see as many as many injuries on punt return, you see them on kick return because that's when you get guys running 20 miles an hour in, in that in those kind of collisions. So Malik Davis on kick return, no thank you. No, no thank yeah. you. I want to see him getting – I want to see him handing the – getting you know, getting the ball put into his gut and catching some balls out of the backfield, not, you know, having a, a walk-on linebacker dive at his knees to try to stop him on a kick return. Man, that cut he made, that was – that was vintage Malik Davis mm-hmm. right there. That was that was, yeah. a, that was a, So, I was, yeah, glad to it's see ex- that there. It's genuinely exciting to see – um, him finally and knowing probably what he's gone through both physically and and mentally to get back to this point, it's genuinely exciting to see him stick his foot in the ground and plant and make a cut like that because the past couple of years he didn't have the confidence in his knee um, and in his ankle to make that kind of cut. 
Yep. Okay. Here we go. L R Y A L L. I'm trying. I'm trying to think. It says rally because I know he's a big rally guy. But uh, 140. I'm trying to remember uh, what it all stands for. But here we go. Uh, offense is going to be explosive and very fun. Dan said that was very basic too. Uh, yeah, he did say that after uh, in the press conference after the game. So what more is to come? Defense was missing a lot of starters, so the jury's out. Also, they didn't have a lot of lives happening in camp, and it showed someone has to take control of that. Uh, Jenna R. Brantley says offense is elite. Miller, Cox, Dexter were standouts on defense. Secondary needs to tighten up and tackle. I'll give them a pass in his first game, and key players were missing. Let's see how they look against South Carolina. Yeah, we brought that up a couple points, but she, you know, she brings up Miller, Cox, and Dexter. Nick, you, you know, you can see sometimes more. And I don't even know if you were looking for it or not. You can see it sometimes more when you're at a game. Second half, where was Trey Dean? Where was Gervon Dexter? I, there was just two players there. I expected to kind of see more of as the as the game went on, and I just I don't remember seeing them. A lot. I don't remember seeing those two players. I hate to single those two guys out, but I don't remember seeing those two guys in the second half a whole lot. I mean, I would I would be interested to. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone's gone back and done snap counts, yeah. but I'd be interested to see what trading snap counts were the really the only time I noticed he was coming on the field was when Rashad Torrance's helmet came off. Yeah. And luckily Rashad's got a lot of hair and his helmet came off a couple of times to get Trey in the game. <laughs> but then I also saw Trey make some plays when he yeah. was in the game too. And it was almost kind of like, all right, well he got his three plays. Let's get Rashad back out there. Um, and, and Gervon, I had people on our message board um, and on our site asking me if he was hurt. And I was right. like, oh, he played late. He's just, you know, maybe, maybe like you said also about, about Brenton Cox, just, He's a freshman, young kid, big guy, um, and, and maybe just you know, gas tank was running uh, running a little low towards the end of the game. But uh, he is he played because he played a lot early. He is your interception leader. <laughs> Hold on to that uh, stat. There you go. I saw his tweet after the game. DBU, Gervin <laughs> Dexter. New member. Hey, he wouldn't look worse than the safeties out there. Yesterday. We're, we're think- slowing down on any DBU talk until <laughs> yes. at, at earliest a week from today. There's no DBU talk allowed this week. Um, that, that's been revoked for the week. We'll, we'll re- reassess next Sunday. Hey, bo- both both SEC teams that like to claim that can uh, put that by the wayside for, for right now. Uh, if, if Ohio State comes out and lights it up, they can, they can probably claim it for this year. So. Okay. That's, yeah. No, no, no arguments this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Coach Rankin says offense was great compared to a lot of t- SEC teams. Uh, defense needs to work. There was some really, they were really bad at times. Seems like communication is always an issue on the back end. However, Ole Miss will not have an issue scoring points on anyone considering mm-hmm. everything. Great game. Coach Gunn says defense way rusty, offense more crisp than expected. Defense seemed gassed out and out of shape. There we go. Uh, saw multiple plays where defensive players' hips uh, and, and hands on hips and jogging. Uh, E-Rock Nation says offense was very sharp and, and efficient. Trask is deadly accurate and posted. Here we go, Nick. We did not look like DBU. <laughs> I can tell uh, mostly tackled dummies during the offseason. Kyle McGill says not overreacting. Our defense will improve, and I believe Ole Miss will score a lot on teams they see this season. Uh, Gator Sean says offense will be fun to watch. Still like to establish the run game, though. Defense needs a lot of work, especially at the safety position. Too many deep balls completed yesterday. Rushing three defensive linemen should never happen again as well. Zero pressure, too much time. Uh, I went back and looked at that. Um, I was having some conversations this morning. Neil Blackman was in the conversation here on a, on a Twitter DM. And I went back and looked at a lot of the third downs, Nick, and it it wasn't necessarily just three guys rushing. They mm-hmm. fought a rush three, fought a rush four, fought a rush five in the first half. It didn't matter. Corral would break contain. Uh, or, or, you know, make plays with his leg and get converted first down. It wasn't just, you know, rushing three and sitting back in zone and letting, the, you know, all, all, you know, teams pick you apart. Uh, Ole Miss, it didn't matter what Todd Manson was doing. Uh, they, they had they had success. The white Travis Scott can run. Uh, we, we talked about, we, we <laughs> talked about his, his, his passing, um, and I'm, I'm sure everyone talked about his hair after TV put it on. Uh, put that on <laughs> national <laughs> Personal foul. A national stage, yeah. The the white Travis Scott with that hair. He um man, he he would he would probably do well in a damn own offense, you know, if uh, if there would have been interest there from both sides. But like you said, you know, it wasn't just rushing three and playing a soft zone. That's what that, that's a big complaint that you see from from fans that it's third and eighteen, you rush three and you play a soft zone and they picked it apart and it's like yeah, that did happen, but it's yeah. also they Brought five 
and, and they brought four, and then it was just, you know a little seven yard pass, and now now you've got you know the soft zone, but it, it's. There's so many different reasons why stuff happens. Uh, I'm not making an excuse for them. They've got to figure it out. Um, but I, I'm, I'm still a fan of Todd Grantham. And I'm, I'm, I'm probably in the minority there this week, but I'm I'm still a Todd Grantham fan. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. But, uh, yeah, we, we got to see improvement before. Uh, There's plenty of room yeah. in our, on the bandwagon that we're sitting in. <laughs> yeah. So you guys feel free to jump in with Dave and I. Yeah, I mean, believe me, you could go look in the comments right now, and there's yeah. not many on our side right now. So <laughs> uh, Ryan uh, MCC09 says, honestly, we didn't play as bad as looking back at it. You take out three to four big plays, and it's probably a 51-17 game. Just cut out those plays, and we are good. Kiffin is a good offensive coach, and they brought out some tricks. So I'm not surprised they got a few on us. Um, Sean Fitzgerald, this. uh, um, He goes, very pleased. Wait, I got him mixed up there because I think he was replying to – he goes, uh, from Controversier Ecclesia, uh, very pleased. I wanted him to be more explosive on offense, and Tony becoming a true receiver make make that a reality. Not worried about the D. They can improve. Uh, and last season proved to me that a great offense is more important in the end anyway. And that's kind of where that LSU comparison kind of goes anyway. You're looking for an offense to take a big step and maybe carry the team. And, hey, look, that's uh, that's football now. I mean, it's not a – it's not a def- the, the SEC is not a defensive league anymore. Uh, it, it is it is full-fledged Alabama, LSU, Florida right now. You saw Georgia make an offensive coordinator change to kind of – change their offense to look like that in a high-flying, high-octane passing attack. Uh, that the, the game's changing. The game the, the game is changing here. Uh, and then Sean Fishjo did reply to that this. You know, they were sustained, if they were sustaining 10 to 15 play drives regularly, then I'd be more concerned. Six explosive plays attributed to about 20 of their points. I'd expect that from five starters missing, a ton of young players, and playing a good offensive coach with zero tape. So That's a great good. point. Yeah, good examples there from from the fan base and, and showing. Hey, look, no, not a, not an overreaction right now. The explosive plays. If you stop the explosive plays, then those usually do calm down. Um, I mean, I, I hate going back to the 2007 Gator defense, and it it didn't really calm down. They did give up explosive plays uh, all season long, but you do kind of hope, uh, you know, Todd Grantham just kind of rallies the troops and settles them down a little bit. You get your starters back, and and everything falls in place. Yeah, I agree. I think that was probably the best the best comment we read uh, you read just there, um, and, and that it's if Ole Miss's drive chart looked like thirteen plays, six minutes touchdown, twelve plays, four minutes touchdown. If you saw those like long sustained drives, then maybe you're thinking, hey, this isn't just no spring and and not having tackled in a while. Then you're starting to think of like, okay, is this fool's gold? Did we lose too much on the defensive side of the ball? And now this is what our defense is going to be every year or every week, and we're just going to have to win in shootouts. Um, I think that you need to cut down on those big chunk plays, those explosive plays. Um, and 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 then I think if you, if you cut out a couple of those, and of course, you know, hey, if you don't let them score, then the scoreboard looks different. Yeah, but if you if you cut out and uh, some of those, those chunk plays, those explosives, yeah, I mean, the, the scoreboard could have looked completely different, 51-17. And then we're talking about, you know, uh, a completely different story today. Um, but I think they'll, they'll get that fixed, that the tackling will get better. Um, so to me, I'm not, not really concerned about it right now. All right, last one here, Gator Ryan, a big-time listener here. Uh, he says, offense way better than expected, though I still have some concerns with the offensive line ability to run block. Looked a lot more like last year's offensive offense than I expected. Need to stick to one quarterback, so there, <laughs> the, the point there we made earlier. Uh, defensively, yikes, need to figure out safeties, linebackers, and pass coverage bad and knock the rust off. Mullen took Durkin behind the woodshed, but Lane did the same to grant them there. So yeah, running the ball, I think I, I get, you know, the, the average kind of went up with the big Tony run, but you still had, you know, the Davis and Pierce, I think both over six yards of carry, if I'm not mistaken, um, I have to go back and look at that. Nick, um, you don't mute to Nick, uh, by the way. Um, As I was typing, I got it pulled up here. Oh yeah. Uh, rushing. Where is it? Oh, per carry. Yeah. Pierce had six yards average and, uh, and Davis had seven yard average. Yeah, so, seven for forty nine for Davis and nine for fifty four for Pierce. Yeah, so, so you'll take the average there. Um, I think, um, you know, 
Florida's a passing team <laughs> yeah. right now. I mean, that's just what it is. Uh, I, I know it goes against Dan Mullen's history, but I think he saw its success with it last year. I think you're still littered with talent at wide receiver uh, for the Gators. And I think that's, to me, that's just where the best overall talent is right now, especially with, 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 with Kyle and Kyle. And it's what we said, it's what we said as well with our, you know, in the preseason where if you bring, if you have an offensive line that can't run block and you bring them all back, do you think that, all right, well, they're just experienced now. Now they'll be able to run block. Maybe not. This might be – Florida might be a passing team until you get a couple of recruiting classes in and, and you kind of change the personnel that you have. So maybe this is what it is. And, hey, I I watched a lot of Will Muschamp and a lot of Jim McElwain offenses where I would have loved to have covered a game where they scored 51 points and threw the ball all over the field you know, for 400-something yards. I'm not bad about it. No, absolutely, absolutely. So, Nick, uh, first, everybody out there, thanks for sending. I You sent me way more than I could get to. Maybe <laughs> I'll, I'll sprinkle them in <laughs> through, throughout the week uh, as well. We'll do another episode, Will Miles and I, uh, tomorrow on Monday. Uh, Nick, let's first take a – or lastly, take a look at the rest of the SEC, what happened. Mm-hmm. SEC versus SEC all week long or all season long here. So, uh, here we go. Final scores, of course, Florida 51 to 35 over Ole Miss. Bit of a surprise for me, Nick. Man, Auburn just they, they kind of controlled Kentucky uh, a bit. I, I picked Kentucky in that game. I thought it would be a bad matchup in the trenches uh, for Auburn, given the, all the defensive linemen and offensive linemen they had to replace. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky stepped on themselves a little bit, had some turnovers in that game. Uh, but Auburn, you know, pretty much controls that game over Kentucky, twenty nine to thirteen. I, I thought I thought I was being trendy. You picked you picked Kentucky as well. Yeah, I yeah. thought I was being trendy, and I mean, I even I went on Knoxville radio uh, with with my buddy Trey. Yeah, to preview the season, and he starts asking me about Florida finishing the season at Tennessee, and I'm like, I'm not. I, if I'm Florida, I'm not concerned with Tennessee in the slightest. I'm more concerned about Kentucky, and, and you know, getting uh, Kentucky had to play a wide receiver at quarterback last year. They bring everyone back. They bring their 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 starting quarterback back. I thought they were going to have a good year. I hold. I hold Stoops in the highest regard in terms of coaches and what he's been able to do there. So, yeah, I was surprised. Um, Thought that Auburn would take a step back and Kentucky would take a step forward. So I was surprised with that outcome for sure. Yep, uh, biggest upset of the week. Uh, the reigning national champions, LSU Tigers, go down to Mississippi State. Mike Leach, 44-34, quarterback throwing for over 600 yards. And uh, K.J. Costello there at old, uh, LSU. Look, Nick, I'm sorry. I, mean, I said it all offseason. You do not lose that much talent. And those, continue and continue to play like that. That those aren't the defending national champions. Those are some no. dudes wearing the wearing the wearing the jerseys of the defending national champions. Ed Orgeron is the Will Smith meme from Fresh Prince of Bel Air, where he walks into the house and there's <laughs> nobody there. It's Ed O, and that's it from the team last year. There, that's a that, that's going to be a five and five or a four and six LSU team this year. Yeah, would not surprise maybe, me. The, maybe worse. Maybe worse, yeah, in, in the slightest there. It would not surprise me. Uh, Georgia gets a slow start there. Already had to replace Mathis with uh, my hometown guy, Stetson Bennett from Blackshire, Georgia. Uh, he Don't get me wrong. He he made that offense look better. Uh, I don't think he's sustainable throughout a whole season, so we'll see what happens with JT Daniels there uh, for, for for Georgia. But Georgia uh, beats uh, Felipe Franks in Arkansas 37-10. to 10. Franks uh, threw a nice early touchdown pass to take a lead there. It was 7-5 to five at halftime on Arkansas. Uh, but then Georgia just kind of – takes control. Uh, Felipe Franks makes some mistakes. George's defense takes over and uh, they get some easy, cheap scores to pull away from Arkansas. Yeah, it was at the seventh inning stretch, it was 7-5 to five there. Um, Arkansas's got a really, really tough schedule. I kind of yeah. feel for Felipe there. Um, but uh, Georgia, does, I, think you, I think you see it reflected in, in the polls. Uh, Georgia was ahead of Florida in, in, in the, both the coaches and the AP. They've both come out now while we're doing the show, and Florida yep. jumped Georgia in both of them. Florida's number three, third in the country in in both polls. That's the highest they've been ranked since 2012. Um, it, it's all going to come down to to you know that uh, was it November seventh, November seventh yep. in Jacksonville, uh, Florida, Georgia. But the, the team that I saw um, yesterday, uh, they've got some warts. Um, and, and not to say that Florida doesn't in, in their game, but I look at that Georgia team and I think this is probably the best chance Florida's had, you know, in the in the three years Dan Mullen's been here um, to knock that Georgia team off. 
Yeah, we said that before the season, and it even looks so more the case now after after one game being played. So, I mean, it's hard not to not, not to react to that. Hopefully, we're not overreacting here. But yeah, through 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 one game, that'll be a course. new a new segment for the show: overreaction theater <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> Uh, Alabama, no problem with Missouri, uh, 38-19 there. Texas A&M struggles with Vanderbilt, 17-12. Kellen Mond, uh, look, uh, Kyle Trask, Kellen Mond were kind of tied at the hip all offseason. Who's kind of the better SEC quarterback? That's wasn't silly. even close. It wasn't even close. Look, we knew that anyway. <laughs> but but uh, the, the nation and SEC got to kind of see it yesterday. And, look, Vanderbilt's not a good team. And it takes us A&M struggled uh, for, for most of that game there. And to kind of round it out, Florida's next opponent uh, uh, coming up next week, South Carolina loses to Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee jumped up 21-7, I believe. South Carolina fought back, tied it up at 24. And then uh, Tennessee pulled away with a 31-27 uh, victory. So uh, we kind of talked about that. Will Muschamp's kind of late game uh, management there. Uh, and then they had a chance, uh, punt return, and the punt return hits uh, one of the uh, guys blocking the gunners, hits him right in the leg, Tennessee recovers, and uh, that, that's all she wrote for that game. So 0-1 for South Carolina as they come into the swamp, Nick. Yeah, that was just – I think Will Muschamp and Jeremy Pruitt, it's like looking in a mirror in terms of head coach. I think they're both great defensive coordinators. Um, but in terms of being a head coach, being the guy you know, where the buck stops from here um, – it's they're looking in a mirror, mirror images of themselves. And I'm, so glad, I'm glad I'm not covering either of those teams. Oh, man. Yeah. Tell me about it. Um, yeah, there we go. So a good first Sunday reaction episode here after the Gators defeat Ole Miss 51-35. As Nick mentioned there, the Gators number three in the AP and coaches poll. So Nick kind of tweeted out earlier this morning that was probably likely going to be the case. Mm-hmm. We have come a long way in getting to cover this team <laughs> in, in uh, two years and one game for Dan Mullen, and, and the Gators are at number three. And I, Don't get me wrong. I know some of it's helped by Ohio State not playing and, and all that, but still, it, it, it does let everybody know the teams that are playing out there. And look, Ohio State and all those teams are ranked now. Uh, they're in the polls. Uh, but uh, through one big offensive showing uh, for the Gators, and believe me, media – and now apparently coaches or SIDs putting their polls out love offense as well and boosted the Gators up to number three. Yeah. I mean, listen, just go ahead and put Ohio State in the playoff. I mean, that Big Ten schedule is a joke. They get to play yeah. eight games and they get to play Rutgers and Northwestern and, and Michigan. Okay, yeah, a really yeah, tough and then, schedule. And then the Big 12 killed themselves with Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Possibly. I mean, they lost to K-State last year, but we'll see. I mean, Yeah. Um, I think Spencer Rattler's the real deal, though. We'll see what they oh, do. He is. Uh, we'll see what they do, but I mean, I think it's going to be Clemson, Ohio State, and two SEC teams. That's the way it's looking right now. I think I think so too. I think so too. So, all right, uh, that'll do it for uh, for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Nick, um, let everybody know uh, what, what they can do. I know Gator Country is going to have a lot of coverage coming up uh, for, from after the Ole Miss game. Looking forward to South Carolina. Yeah, I've got uh, it's all all that stuff right there on the on that bottom ticker, um, and then uh, right from here, I'm going to go back to writing after uh, spending an, doing it almost an all nighter, traveling back from Ole Miss. I'm going to go sit down and put Red Zone on and write some stories. I'll be podcasting with Andrew after this, and uh, back to the grind Monday, Mullen Mondays, and uh, Dave and I will be asking questions on Zoom to Mullen, and I'm it's, I'm tired, but I'm happy that football season's back. I'm happy to be tired, that's for sure. Yeah, Nick, thank you. I know uh, it's uh, in, in dealing with Will Salmon last year and his travel schedule, and I know, like, I, I know it's not easy, man. Uh, so, no, but it's uh, fun. I'm, it's fun. I like sitting here and talking football with you, and I apologize to some people. Like like in a couple of weeks, I, I don't even have my travel schedule yet for Texas A&M, but, uh, so it might not be a consistent time every week depending on travel schedule, but we're going to try to make it work the best we can. Yeah, home home games. We'll try and make the episode around twelve uh, mm-hmm. on Sunday, so everybody can go enjoy their NFL games as well. Uh, I, I know a lot of people are still interested in the NFL uh, there, so we'll try and do home, most home games. We'll try and do our episode at noon, uh, but then travel permitting on, on on away games for what time we will record on on on, on away game Sundays. So, Nick, man, yeah, once again, thanks a lot. Uh, it takes a takes a lot of determination and, and work to do this after with with a lack of sleep. So, uh, thank you, man. No, it's fun. It's fun. Looking forward to the whole season with you guys. All right. So find Nick, of course, at Gator Country. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.